too. A girl here who was selfish enough to refuse to do such a little thing to bring a glad Christmas into a poor home. All we need is to be told where to go and what to do. Doubtless you will have planned a way for the children to give remembrances to the poor. This may be presented in a word at this time. Reserving the details for the close. At Christmas tide the open hand scatters its bounties o'er sea and land, and none are left to grieve alone. For love is heaven and claims its own. Truly, the Christmas spirit is upon us today. But stop. Will it vanish tomorrow? Will we forget to be kind to those about us next week? Next month? Next summer? Will we forget that these same little worn, patched stockings are there in the same needy homes? and that the boys and girls may need our friendship and help more when it is summer than they do now when so many willing hands are extended to help them. I hope we shall not forget. Let us remember that the best gifts, oft times, are not those which we can see and touch. The truest gifts are those of love and companionship and service the same fellowship which Jesus gave to the poor when he was among men. It seems as if his heart always went out to those in need, and he helped them. Not with gifts which fade and wear out and are soon cast aside, but with words and deeds which told them that he would be a true friend even to the end of the world. Christianity, says Henry Drummond, wants nothing so much as sunny people, and the old are hungering more for love than for bread. The oil of joy is very cheap, and if you can help the poor with the garment of praise, it will be better than blankets. Dr. Henry D. Chapin expresses the same thought when he says, The cry of the ages is more for fraternity than for charity. If one exists, the other will follow, or, better still, will not be needed, says J.R. Miller. Wanting to have a friend is altogether different from wanting to be a friend. The former is mere natural human craving. The latter is the life of Christ in the soul. At no better time than today can we choose to plant again the seed of true friendship in our hearts. Let us cultivate it and nurture it until it blooms forth into friendship for everyone who may be helped by the love of Christ through us. The key to failure temperance day appetite strong drink opens the gate to destruction and bars the way to success. The lesson that strong drink robs its victims of the ability to solve the problems of life. This temperance lesson deals with the curse of strong drink in a special reference to its connection with the material success of the individual. Specific opinions of several well-known representative men are quoted. The talk. Nearly every man carries in his pocket a bunch of keys. Write the word key. Completing figure 11. When a professional man, for instance, reaches his office in the morning, he may unlock his office door with one key, with another key he may unlock his desk, with another he may unlock a drawer in the desk, and then, having opened his safe, he may use still another key to unlock his strong box. That night he may look carefully to see that each of these things is again carefully locked before he goes home. And so, we see, keys are for two purposes to unlock and to lock. Most keys are made of metal and are in our own keeping and subject to our own will. But there is another key of which I shall speak, which goes before many a man, working entirely independent of him. And as it goes, it locks the doors which he wishes to enter and it unlocks many another door which he does not want to enter and forces him to go through it. I will draw the picture of the ski. Starting at the final stroke of the letter Y continue the line, and ending with the letters WHIS then add the lines to complete figure 12. Let us see for a moment what the ski does. It locks the door to health and opens the door to disease. Sir Andrew Clark, one of England's greatest physicians, says, I am speaking solemnly and carefully in the presence of truth. And I will tell you that I am considerably within the mark when I say to you that, 
going the round of my hospital wards today. Seven out of every ten out their ill health to strong drink. And again, this key bars and locks the way to good positions, where men may earn the money needed to keep themselves and their families provided with the necessities of life. Many of the great corporations are refusing to hire men who drink. Whiskey has locked the door to opportunity for them. The Pennsylvania Railroad Company, operating one of the greatest systems in the world, has issued a statement to the men who run the trains on its lines which includes these words, taking one drink of intoxicating liquor is like running past aid the red light. It is unsafe. The possible line between safety and danger in the use of alcoholic drink is dangerously unstable. Safety lies back of total abstinence. The normal man has no legitimate use for alcohol as a beverage, and he has no right to render himself abnormal by its use when lives are dependent upon his efficiency. None but normal men should run railway trains. The traveling public has unqualified right to demand and expect none less safe. The statement deals, not with the moral side, but with the fact that a man who drinks and fits himself for any position of responsibility, especially if entrusted with human life. Whiskey also locks and bars the way to a life of purity and honor, says the chaplain of the Ohio Penitentiary, Dr. Starr. The records show that 1.250 persons have been received into this institution during 18 months. Of these, 930 acknowledge themselves to have been intemperate, and the Massachusetts Bureau of Labor adds the statement that of 27.000 crimes committed in that state, 8 out of every 10 were due to intemperate habits, or occurred while the criminal was under the influence of liquor. We need not go further to show that this key is truly the key to failure failure in the attempt to attain to anything pure, right and honorable. No one knows this better than the manufacturer of strong drink. The handwriting is on the wall, says T. Ann Gilmore, president of the Model License League. Our trade today is on trial before the bar of public sentiment, and unless it can be successfully defended before that bar, I want to see it go down forever. In no better way can we help to bring this victorious end than by lending our every influence to cause the world to turn to the true Christian life. For then follows love out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith and feigned. Paul does not say, shun that which is evil, he says and whore it. May this ever be our attitude toward this giant evil. A busy life pluck and luck industry a plucky American boy whom the whole world delights to honor. The lesson that pluck and perseverance and a try try again spirit can laugh at obstacles and change them into stepping stones. The following talk may suggest to many of the younger hearers the secret of the true greatness of Benjamin Franklin, who is considered by many our foremost American. The talk. Some people trust to a luck to carry them through the world. Like Dickens Micawber. They're always waiting for something to turn up. I have heard of a man who was so pleased at finding a big horseshoe that he placed it over his bedroom door. The next morning, as he closed the door, he jarred the horseshoe from its place and it fell and struck him such a blow on the head that he was in the hospital for a week. Such results as this are likely to come when we depend upon luck. Let us remember that luck never figures in God's calculations. I have seen people looking for something like this in their front yards. Quickly draw the outlines of the four-leaf clover in black and fill in the outlines with broad sweeps of green, with black, trace the veins lightly, and then put in the letters to spell luck, this completes figure 13, what is it, yes, a four-leaf clover, and when I saw them looking for it, I thought that they could have been doing a great deal more good by pulling the weeds in their backyards, but today we shall talk about a boy who never depended upon luck at all, this boy had a pair of sharp eyes, and whenever he saw anything to do, 
He did it. His name was Benjamin Franklin. Did you ever hear of him? Yes. I thought so. This boy worked for his older brother in a printing office in Boston. But the brother used to flog him and treat him roughly. Benjamin knew that they could never get along well together. So he went away to Philadelphia. In this great city he saw many things which other boys before him had not seen. He saw that the printing art had wonderful possibilities in it. He studied and worked hard to improve the business. And today all of the printers call him the father of the art of printing. He saw that he ought to know other languages besides English. And so he became a master of French, Italian and Latin and luck hadn't a thing to do with it. He saw on every hand many chances to help other people. This prompted him to organize the first police force and the first fire company in the United Colonies. He organized a military company. He paved the streets of Philadelphia and taught the people how to keep them clean. He founded a hospital. He invented the first practical stuff. He accepted many public positions in his earlier years, including that of member of the General Assembly of the Colonies, deputy postmaster of Philadelphia and commissioner to treat with the Indians. He saw that the common people should have a better chance to get an education, and so he published for many years poor Richard's Almanac, which provided them with much that they should have known. He founded the first circulating library, helped to establish the University of Pennsylvania, and brought into existence the American Philosophical Society. He saw the lightning, just as millions before him had done, but, unlike the others, he believed the brilliant display was the evidence of a great and insane power electricity. By the use of his now famous kite and key he proved it to be so. And for a time he was the only man in the world who knew what lightning really island. He saw at the time of the impending revolutionary war the need of someone to go to England to intercede in the interests of the colonies. And so, when the choice fell upon him, he did not shirk the responsibility. He saw many later duties which caused him to become a member of the Continental Congress which made George Washington the commander-in-chief of the colonial army. He helped to write the Declaration of Independence. He was a commissioner of peace to confer with the British General Howe. He was a member of the commission to seek the aid of France. He was America's first postmaster general. Did Benjamin Franklin depend upon luck? Never. His was, rather, a five-leaf clover. Like this, quickly add the fifth leaf to the drawing. And insert the letter P completing figure 14. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, says the Bible, do it with thy might. I believe Benjamin Franklin fulfilled this command, and we can do it ourselves, if we will. He never stopped to knock on wood to prevent bad luck. He had better sense, and I hope we have, too. The keg and the bucket temperance day purity a temperance talk devoted to the teaching of the principles of purity of life. The lesson that water as a beverage stands for purity and blessing, while spirituous liquors are always an emblem of impurity and blight. The chalk talk here outlined contains in its illustration an interesting transformation which always commands close attention. The truth it presents cannot fail to leave an impression. It may be well to vary the application of the temperance thought to suit your local conditions. The talk. I am going to outline for you a picture of an object which is everywhere recognized by good people as a symbol of defiance of the law. A suggestion of immorality, of poverty, depravity and death. Draw beer keg. Completing figure 15. In plain words, it is a beer keg, and its close companions are the whiskey barrel, the wine cask and the demijohn. It well represents the liquor traffic as a whole that terrible curse which holds in its grip so many men and boys, whose lives might be bright. Happy and successful but for its blighting, fatal grasp. 
No right-thinking man has a good word for the business which makes good men into brutes, transforms honorable citizens into murderers, and brings many a prosperous family to rags and misery. The saloon keeper himself has no good word for the business, he merely defends it because it makes for him a good living with little work on his part. Oftentimes he will not drink a drop himself or allow any of his employees to touch liquor. He is in the business for the money he can get out of it, not caring how much poverty and penury others get. With a low idea of his duty toward his fellow beings, he argues that as long as men and boys will drink the deadly stuff which he sells, he as well as anyone else, has a right to profit by their weakness and degradation. Oh, says Shakespeare, that men should put an enemy in their mouths to steal away their brains. Whenever we hear of a state of lawlessness and anarchy in a city or a nation, we can rightly conclude that the government of that city or that nation has lost control of its people. When a man becomes a drunkard and does things which he never thought of doing before, we can rightly conclude that his brain has failed to govern him and that it has been deposed by the forces of base appetite. He has lost control of himself. That is why a drinking man cannot in these days secure a good position with the large corporations, railroads, manufactories and the immense commercial institutions. The great employers of men have learned that they cannot trust men who, as Shakespeare says, have put an enemy into their mouths to steal away their brains. Brains are in demand everywhere brains and steady nerves. So, wherever we look, we see young men learning that the way of the saloon is the way of failure. If they can only be halted in their way and be made to look for a moment upon another symbol a symbol of purity and true service they might be saved from the better path into which they are stepping. Revised drawing by adding the bail and the lettering. Completing figure 16. If time will allow of the singing of a verse of the old oaken bucket, the innovation will prove a pleasing touch. Perhaps the warnings against liquor have become commonplace to you. Perhaps you feel that you do not need to be told the story of the great curse. But if the warning comes echoing back to you in the time of temptation you will bless the hearing of it. For it may mean everything to you and your loved ones and the generations to come. It is the master who said, and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily, I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. But what may one lose when he puts the drunkard's glass to the lips of a young man? Hear the voice of Solomon, the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. If Jesus held up to us a cup of cold water as the emblem of purity, let us never bring dishonor upon one of earth's greatest blessings. Traverse the desert, and then ye can tell what treasures exist in the cold, deep well, sink in despair on the red, parched earth, and then ye may reckon what water is worth. Eliza Cook, turn over a new leaf New Year's Day gladness the psalmist truly says that, a merry heart make the cheerful countenance. The lesson that the wearing of a gloomy countenance is unpardonable and that, the smile that won't come off, is the kind that ought to come on. Laughter is catching. The following chalk talk will capture an audience and bring genuine smiles as nothing else. Perhaps, in this book, it has been prepared for that purpose. While it is arranged here as especially appropriate for the beginning of the new year, it may be used with varying applications on many other occasions. The talk. There is a good deal of consolation in the words of Cooper who truly declares that, the path of sorrow, and that path alone, leads to the land where sorrow is unknown. Nevertheless, most of us ask for as little real sorrow as possible while we are treading the pathway that leads to eternal peace. 
it is advisable to begin the drawing of figure 17 at this point, and continue the talk as the picture develops. It is suggested that the eyes be drawn first, then the mouth and nose, and, finally, the outer portions. It adds to the effect, too, to stop drawing at this point, allowing the people to study carefully the dull, gloomy expression of the face. Then, as if to put on the finishing touches, draw the lines of the forehead. These, of course, are the lines of the nose and mouth of the reversed face, but the audience will not suspect the trick until it is revealed, and yet, to judge from the way some of us act and look, it would seem that we'd rather enjoy a protracted case of the miseries. Some folks begin to fret as soon as they are out of bed in the morning, the early day brings its worries and cares, the noontide and the afternoon are filled with problems, and night finds them all fagged out and longing to take rest and sleep so as to get into condition to repeat the round of sorrows and cares which they are preparing for themselves for the next day. Little jealousies, petty rivalries, senseless envyings and useless fears bring wrinkles of care, which are very unbecoming, and, before we are aware of it, the years have overtaken us, and we advertise our inner selves by this outward kind of sign. Display figure 17 complete. This finishes the drawing of both scenes or figures, since the second part is merely an inverting of figure 17. But, friends, you know, and I know, that all this or most of it is all foolishness. We know that as a man can get in his heart so is he. If he thinks gloomy things, he will be a gloomy man. If he thinks glad things, he will be a happy man. So, let us consider this matter now at the beginning of the new year. Strange to say, smiling is a serious thing. It affects our influence. It means much to the happiness of those about us. It has a direct connection with the state of our health, and, therefore, with our material prosperity. It is true, of course, that we are bound to have our little annoyances and our depressing sorrows as we go through life, but, surely, we can avoid most of the troubles which keep us unhappy if we will but lift our thoughts above ourselves and employ our time in seeking to comfort and brighten the lives of those about us. Happiness is largely a habit, and we can do no better than to get the habit and let others catch it from us. Let us learn the truth that peace of mind is health to the body, and that it is worth more than we ever imagine. Joy is essential to the truly Christ-like life. When the angel proclaimed to the shepherds, Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, you and I were included, and we have not accepted that message of great joy and Christ abides not in us if we do not reflect the sunlight which has come from above, and so I am going to ask that we join together today in turning over a new leaf. What do I mean? Simply this, to meet our troubles fairly and squarely, grasp them firmly and then completely overturn them, when lo, we shall find their threatenings, their warnings and their fearful aspects shall have faded away, and brightness and peace shall have taken their place. At the beginning of this paragraph grasp the drawing at the bottom, tear it loose from the top, and hold it up before the audience, inverted, as in figure 18. Truly, a merry heart make the cheerful countenance, may yours remain so throughout the new year and ever after. True success Lincoln's birthday discouragement it is exemplified by the life of Abraham Lincoln's tumbling blocks and stepping stones. The lesson that the very things which are obstacles in the way of many should be their stepping stones to the higher life. The life of Abraham Lincoln is so fraught with good lessons that it is difficult to select that which is of the greatest inspiration to the young. The illustration here given, however, points the way to true success as illustrated by the story of Lincoln's life. The talk. Every one of us is anxious to be a success. 
draw the word success in red, and the rays of light in orange, but many of us are discouraged and disheartened by seeing before us so many bigots in the way that we give up trying to gain the height toward which our eyes were once lifted, draw the wall, with the rocks obstructing the way, put in the letters I and F and indicate the pathway, your drawing will now resemble figure 19, some of us may say, if I had not been born in such an obscure place or in such an obscure family, I might have been a great success, another might say, if my father had only had the means to give me a lift at the right time, I might have been a great success, another might say, if I had only had the chance to go to school when I was a boy, I might have obtained the education necessary to make me a great success, one other might say, if I could only work out my plans without meeting with the discouraging opposition of those who ought to help me and company operate with me, I might be a great success. Still another might say, if I had only had the opportunities that other men have had, I might have been a great success, and so we might stand and look with discouraged hearts at the ifs before us and stop dead still. Well, now, let us look into this a little, let us search the scriptures and find a word of comfort, but search as we may, we find the word success there only once, why only once, probably because the Bible has a much bigger and better word, and that word is life. I am the way, the truth and the life, says the Master, and again, I am the resurrection and the life. This wonderful word was often on his lips. To him, success was life. To live was all that earth could desire. To live was to see in these stones indicate the stones in the drawing not stumbling blocks but stepping stones to success. Add the letters L and E completing the word life. When you and I see the true life, then will all our ifs depart. Abraham Lincoln was one who saw these stones before him. How did he look upon them? The obscurity of his birth was no if to him it was the foundation of his noble character. The poverty of his early years was no if to him it was the thing which caused him to appreciate every blessing of afterlife. The denial of his means to an education when a boy was no if to him it caused his mature mind to hunger after learning. Even in his later years. The bitter opposition which he met throughout his tempestuous political career was no if to him it softened his nature and drew him nearer to the God of love in whom he placed his trust. No one should envy him his opportunities, for he made every one of them himself, just as you or I may do. It would seem to me, as I look at the life of this great man, that the secret of his success lay in his determination to make every stumbling block a stepping stone. In order to do it, he held steadfastly to the hand of God. When it seemed, all other friends had failed, it was then that he said, I do the best I know the very best I can and I mean to keep right on doing so until the end, God has not yet given us wings to fly with, but he has given us feet to climb with, and if we use them for all they are worth, we can climb near enough to heaven's gate to step right in when the summons come, boys and girls, men and women, the opportunity for success for life is given to each one of us. Just as truly as it was given to Abraham Lincoln, we could not have taken his place. Perhaps he could not have taken yours or mine. It is for each of us to work out his own success, just as he did. The fruits of riches humility wealth if the love of gold controls the life not but poverty of soul can result. The lesson that while wealth, honestly earned, may be a blessing, the life devoted to the getting of riches cannot hope for true happiness. The scriptures do not condemn the possession of riches but they do have some strong things to say against the wrongful attainment of wealth and the harmful use of money. The talk here presented is designed to impress this thought. In outlining the drawing be sure to place the lettering exactly as shown in the design. The talk. 
The Bible has a good deal to say about rich people and poor people. Solomon, it seems, thought it best to be neither poor nor rich, for he wrote, Give me neither poverty nor riches, and I believe that this sentiment would be that of most of us. At any rate, the richer he got, the farther he went from God, but we must have money enough to meet the needs of our lives. We need it for the buying of our food, our clothing, our homes, our books and in a thousand other ways. But I hope that none of us will ever reach the point where the governing principle in our lives will be to get money for money's sake. Money madness seems to be the dominant characteristic of many people. They appear to think that wealth will gain for them all that may be desired to make life happy. We might illustrate the thought by saying that they sow or plant their money and hope that it will bring forth the fruitage of the blessings for which they long. Draw the bag of money, the earth line, the stalk of the plant and the outline of the foliage, all with black. And what do the possessors of riches expect as a harvest in return for the sowing of their wealth? First, let us put down pleasure, put in the word pleasure, using red for the lettering, and they expect to be leaders in smart society. So we will add to the list social prestige, add social prestige. They expect their associates to be impressed with the evidence of luxury in their palatial homes and in all they have and do. So we will add luxury to the list, add luxury, and through it all they think they will possess that degree of satisfaction and contentment which we call comfort. So we will add this to the list, add comfort, and, finally, let us add a word to indicate that element which the wealthy sometimes possess in a worldly sense representing their ability to direct the happiness or unhappiness of those who are less fortunate in their possession of worldly goods. That word is power. Add power. Completing figure 21. Here, then, is the picture of the result as longed for by the possessors of riches, whose lives are devoted to the attainment of things of this world alone. But, alas, how often are bright hopes shattered. He that makes haste to be rich, says Solomon, shall not be innocent. A glance at the daily paper tells us how true it is that when the love of money takes possession of the heart, pleasure is driven out. How often, too, does the aspiring social leader find himself outrivaled in the foolish race, and social prestige vanishes, and with such experiences as these, the home of wealth loses the longed-for luxury, comfort and worldly power, and what has come to take the place of these which were only dreams. With the broad side of the black crayon fill in solidly the portions of the foliage area, leaving only the word sorrow. Add the words, the love of money is the root of all evil, completing figure 22, which shows the root and the trunk of a tree that looks more like the tree of death than the tree of life. Such is too often the result of the love of money, which, as Paul tells us, is the root of all evil. But, happily, there is another side to the matter. Many of the wealthy of the earth have blessed and are blessing mankind and in return are themselves blessed, in harmony with the thought. Dr. Van Dyke says, I do not mean to say that the possession of much money is always a real barrier to a real wealth of mind and heart, nor would I maintain that all the poor of this world are rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, and if some of the rich of this world through the grace of him with whom all things are possible are also modest in their minds and ready to be pleased with and bought pleasures. They simply share in the best things which are provided for all. None of us may ever be rich in earthly possessions, but even the strife after the money necessary for our actual needs may shut out our vision of the things of greater value. Let us always hold fast to that which is good, remembering always that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Let us put out of our lives all envy, all jealousy, all desire for the artificial, and learn the lessons of humility. 
patience, confidence and good cheer which are all about us if we but turn our faces and our hearts toward them. The Christ Child Christmas giving a lesson from the story of the shepherds and the wise men. The lesson that the light that was shed when the Christ Child came to earth now brightens the farthest corners of the world. Nothing is more beautiful and impressive than the story of the Christ Child. It cannot be repeated too often. And it is essential at Christmas time. The talk. Let us hear once more the wonderful story of the shepherds who played such a large part in the first Christmas. Read Luke 2 colon 8 18. When you reach the words, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. Draw the lines representing the city, using brown crayon. On completing the reading of verse 18, continue the narrative by reading Matthew 2 colon 1 2 and 2 colon 9 11. When you reach the words, the star which they saw in the east went before them and stood over where the young child was. Draw the star with its rays, in orange, completing figure 23, this ends the reading, I wish we could picture to ourselves the scene in Bethlehem when Jesus was born, we are told that there was such an immense crowd there that Joseph and Mary could find no shelter in the inn, but we should know that this does not mean a hotel, for they had nothing of this kind in Bethlehem, indeed, it would not have been required, because all that the thousands of visitors needed was the permission to sleep on the floor on their own mats which they brought with them. This is the custom even today. It was a sacred duty of every Jew to give shelter to his countrymen who were on a journey. So, instead of an inn, the real meaning I, 